Good evening, and you're welcome to another episode of the Arrow Attack Podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and as always, it's a pleasure talking sports with you. Tonight, it's a great honor to have a special guest with us. Before we introduce our guest, always remember to subscribe on iTunes and Google Podcasts, follow the show on Twitter at AirRaid underscore podcast, and listen to us on Amazon Music. But as always, it's a pleasure having a special guest, and this one is a good buddy of mine. Uh, his name is Tina Lee. He's the host of the Tan and J-Man show, also the host of the Boiler Break pod. He's also a contributor for Orange Weekly, and he's a big-time uh, Broncos fan and a Purdue Boilermaker fan. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Tanner Lee to the show. Tanner, welcome to the Air Raider Tech Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Michael, and uh, great job with the introduction. You hit uh, everything right on the head, so I don't have, really have to add too much. <laughs> well, I'm glad that uh, I was able to at least uh, knock it out for you. A little about yourself, Telegram. Um, what do we talk off with college football course? That's about the biggest I think questions of the day that I've gotten on Twitter. But um, Big Ten, of course, starts this weekend. Your thoughts on the Big Ten season and especially Purdue's season. What should we expect to see out of Purdue this year? Sure, absolutely. I'd be uh, more than happy to cover that. I have uh, live in the heart of Big Ten country here in Indiana. Grown up a Purdue fan my whole life. Graduated from Purdue. Season ticket holder, unfortunately. Of course, with the Big Ten and not allowing uh, fans outside of families to go to games, I won't be able to go to a game this year. But uh, I'm excited. They're finally kicking things off. Uh, I think they should have started a few weeks earlier, in my, in my opinion. But it's all right. Better late than never, I guess. Um, but I, I look for, of course, Ohio State to be the favorite, the front runner in the Big Ten. I think that's pretty clear across the board. I would honestly be surprised if they lost a game um, until the college football playoff, assuming they make that if, if they go undefeated. But uh, but I think Penn State and, and Michigan will also be really good in the East. And I actually think Indiana, painfully uh, painful enough for me to say, but I think Indiana will be pretty good. But they do have a hard, hard part of the schedule there. And then I think um, Maryland, Michigan State, and Rutgers are going to be the three behind them in the East. But then you look at the West, and I still think Wisconsin's probably the favorite in the West. They've won the West for the last handful of years. But Minnesota should be pretty uh, solid. Tanner Morgan's probably the second-best quarterback in the Big Ten, returning behind Justin Fields. Um, Bateman's coming back, which was huge for them. He, along with uh, Boilermakers uh, wide receiver Rondell Moore, I think are the best two wide receivers right, wide receivers in the Big Ten. I think Purdue can be right up there. Um, I think Purdue's going to be really explosive explosive on offense. Uh, sure, we went 4-8 and eight last year, but, I mean, we were just so banged up across the board. Ended up having to play a ton of freshmen, which at one time um, Purdue had 18 touchdowns scored in a row, and they were all by freshmen, which is a pretty crazy accomplishment. But – it will be tough this weekend without head coach Jeff Brom, who cannot coach this week due to a testing positive for COVID-19. Um, and I did uh, hear today there's a few banged up players, about five to six, who won't play this weekend. But I, I think this offense is going to score a lot of points this year. You got, like I said, Rondell Moore coming back, who was a consensus, consensus All-American his freshman year. Only played four games last year due to a hamstring injury. But you got David Bell returning for his sophomore year. He was the Big Ten freshman of the year last year. And they got a lot of other young uh, freshmen and sophomore wide receivers who will contribute. Big question is who's going to be the quarterback? We don't really know until Saturday. It could be a returning retro sophomore Jack Plummer. It could be a walk-on Aiden O'Connell who filled in for Jack last four games after Jack went down last year. Or it could be graduate uh, 
not graduate transfer, just transfer from UCLA, Austin Burton. I think all three of those guys are in the mix. So it's going to come down to quarterback play and offensive line play. Uh, but I think this Purdue team will score a lot of points on the defense side of the ball. Bob Diaco is the new defense coordinator coming from Louisiana Tech. He's had many other stops, including being a head coach at UConn, defense coordinator at Nebraska, at Notre Dame, at Cincinnati. So he's a veteran defense coordinator, anxious to see what type of defense he runs. I think it'll be a mix of a 4-3 and a 3-4. But, of course, uh, Lorenzo Neal's coming back this year. He missed all of last year with an ACL injury. That'll be huge for the Boilers defense line. And then George Karloftis, who had an outstanding freshman season last year, should build upon that in a sophomore year. So, so really, I think it's going to come down to how the defense can play. Um, but I look for them to be right up there, continuing for, continuing for the for the West title. And then I think I will be right there behind them. And then I think you'll have um, Northwestern, Nebraska, and Illinois rounding out the final three. But uh, very excited that Big Ten football is finally here. Absolutely. And, you know, again, you know, I'm right dab, literally right dab in Big 12 country, of course. You know, I've followed more Big 12 than I do probably the rest of the remaining of the conferences. Mm-hmm. But the Big Ten, I got respect for. Of course, every time Oklahoma has lost this year, I've been trolled by a Michigan fan, um, which, is pretty, which is pretty interesting. But I guess the comments I made about uh, Michigan losing FCS team, of course, Appalachian State back in 2005. So mm-hmm. I guess he's still a little a little hurt from that, but that's understandable. Well, well Michigan fans are just a little hurt that they can't beat Ohio State. It's been about 10 years in a row, so – Trust me, you're not alone there with Michigan fans getting on you about stuff. Coach Hallbar, uh, let's let's stay in Big Ten. Coach Hallbar, of course, you know, done for the most part, were decent at Michigan. Mm-hmm. I'm sure their expectation probably wasn't to their uh, to their expectations. For the factor of obviously winless against Ohio State, is this do or die for uh, Coach Hallbar this year? You know, I think I think he's probably safe this year, but I, if, um, if they lose a couple games, including that uh, one against Ohio State in Columbus yet again, I think his seat finally does get warm. Um, for some reason, Michigan fans are pretty pretty happy with the way their team is going, but if I'm a Michigan fan, they got to have a little higher expectations, especially when it comes against Ohio State. Like I mentioned, they haven't beat them in nine or ten years. So, Absolutely. Um, and you're paying him big, big bucks. Um, I mean – uh, yeah, so I got to think his, if, if they don't produce this year, um, his seat's going to get a little warm. Of course, I've heard it down here and talk of our sport, local sports radio, and it's actually a good question, and it's not one just from in predominantly towards the Big Ten. It actually goes towards the Pac-12 that's later going to start here in the next week or two. What maybe, and you may know, fill us in on this, what's going to happen, let's just say, for example, you know, down here in Big 12, Baylor is the one that's practically getting canceled week in and week out because of that X amount of players uh, out because of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. What What's the Big Ten going to do in that aspect, knowing that there's practically a short window from now to the end of the season, which is, I think, roughly middle of December? Are they going to – how are they going to cancel, postpone, reschedule? Any ideas on, on that? Well, that is a fantastic question because I don't know myself. Um, I mean, they, they left themselves no breathing room. It is nine straight weeks, including championship week, from this weekend on through um, middle of December. Excuse me. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, so if, if a team comes down with it and can't play, they might have to forfeit because they didn't leave themselves any bye weeks or anything where they can reschedule or, or push anything back. It's it's nine straight weeks um, gun ho from beginning to end. So that's a fantastic question. Uh, 
that's the one I, I know a lot of fans of Big Ten country are interested because, I mean, I do I do know the Big Ten has really really strict uh, safety procedures going on um, in comparison to all the other conferences. Not that the other conferences aren't doing a good job, but the Big Ten is making sure their guys are getting tested every single day. Um, and if a player tests positive in the Big Ten, they have to quarantine for 21 days, wow. not just the 10. So if, if a player tests positive, they're going to miss three games, which is a huge part of your short season. Whereas the coaches, for instance, Purdue's head coach Jeff Brom tests positive, they're still following the CDC guidelines for coaches, and they only have to quarantine for 10 days. So um, the reasoning for the players quarantine for 21 days is – not only for COVID, but also the concerns of the heart issues that um, earlier this year some of the college aid, age athletes were um, showing signs of when they got positive COVID tests. So, but uh, so it's going to be really interesting. That's a good question. I wish I had a better answer for you. But uh, right now, I think the Big Ten, uh, Kevin Warren and company, better just hope and pray they don't run into that situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and trust me, I'm excited for the, the fact that the Big Ten is is back because, you know, it's more means more games than our usual Big 12 one week. You know, and SEC, of course, the SEC, I think, is everybody's top top tier. Staying in the Big Ten, of course, my dad's a Nebraska Cornhusker, us down here in the country. We're familiar with Nebraska. Of course, during the offseason, they are prior to, I guess, however you want to look at it. Nebraska, of course, uh, was not in favor of postponing at the time, canceling the 2020 season. And, of course, they wanted to see uh, the play out. Now, of course, numerous teams, Nebraska, I've heard Iowa, I think Ohio State, Michigan, I might be missing a few teams out. Was that a legit um, a legit option that Nebraska and all these other teams that you know of could they have played elsewhere for one season, or was it more towards the TV contracts that you know of uh, that kept them not playing until up to now? I think it was more of the contracts. I mean, I think they definitely looked into the possibility if they need to do so, but uh, um, legally and, and, and with the contracts and everything involved, I don't think they could have done that. And I just see no way that Kevin Warren would have, would have signed off a waiver for any of those teams to go join another conference for one year only. Um, like Notre Dame was able to with the ACC. Um, I could be wrong, but I, I don't I don't think there was any way he was going to let that happen. Um, honestly, when you were going down this road with Nebraska, I thought you were going to bring up how they were – Scott Frost and players were talking about how they would play anybody, anywhere. And then once the schedule came out and they were heading to Columbus and then Wisconsin week two, they were all crying. So I thought that's where we were heading with this topic. You know, I was going to slowly get <laughs> – I was going to slowly get there. Uh, Nebraska, of course, like you said, opens up with Ohio State. Then they get Wisconsin, more than likely going 0-2. I don't see how, uh, even though Martinez is his quarterback, as much yeah. as I don't think he wants to be Martinez to be the quarterback, but I guess for this year. Scott Frost, phenomenal job at Central Florida, of course, alumni of Nebraska. Mm -hmm. What's, <laughs> how much longer does Nebraska, and of course, I follow Nebraska just for the simple fact that's my dad's, you know, that's sure. his team, sure. so on and so forth. How much longer, I guess that's a good way to put it, till Scott Frost's hot seat starts to get a little warm? Well, I was talking with a buddy of mine that's a Nebraska fan the other day, and he thinks he still gets a pass this year no matter what happens just because of the um, – circumstances that is 2020 in the short year but he said he said next year 
assuming we have a full season and everything next year, 12 games, if he doesn't win at least eight next year, he thinks his seat gets pretty warm. Um, and I, and I, I got to think they still got to show something this year, even though it's a short season. I don't think he can afford to go two and six in, in the eight games, or I guess it's, it's nine games, two and seven, three and six. I think the fan base would get pretty, uh, pretty impatient with that after uh, three years and not really showing any huge positive uh, results or progress because uh, – because they, uh, they welcomed the, their golden boy home with open arms after his great run at UCF, but it doesn't really help him right now that Josh Heupel's doing a really good job at UCF too. So you kind of start to wonder, was it Scott Frost or was it just kind of the culture set there with the talented players? I'm not really sure. But, uh, yeah, Nebraska's been an interesting team for every other fan base outside of Nebraska to uh, entertain coming into the Big Ten. They've, they've definitely um, added some entertainment for sure. <laughs> and of course, you know, you're actually my true Big Ten person. I'm actually talking to since, since practically the Big Twelve was disbanding, Nebraska and Maryland and Rutgers went into the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Um, was Nebraska? Do you think the Big Ten? Re- I shouldn't say regret. That's really bad. I get why Nebraska and everybody left because you know Texas with their Texas, Texas yeah. Longhorn Network and the Big Twelve practically not having their own network like the Big Ten and the Pac-12, the ACC and the SEC does. Uh, besides all of that, do you still think the Big Ten did the right decision in getting Nebraska? Uh, of course, since since Nebraska went into the Big Ten, Nebraska's football program has absolutely fa- fell off the face of the earth. Um, any chance they kind of like, crap, we shouldn't have done this? Or do you think that, like, hey, you know, we still take the Nebraska, even though the history is no longer practically there? I still think they're glad they uh... – Added them just because of the prestige and the and the and the brand of the history of Nebraska football, especially in the '90s. But I will be honest; I don't think the marriage has gone as smoothly for either Nebraska or the Big Ten like they had hoped for. They hoped they would. Um, I think the Big Ten thought they were getting Nebraska at the time was contending for Big Twelve titles, and they thought they'd come in right away and contend for some Big Ten titles. And it just hasn't really happened. And um, on the flip side, I think Nebraska. Um, yeah, hasn't been all that happy with some of the decision-making of the Big Ten, et cetera. But, uh, yeah, that's a good question. I, th- I think there's probably certain, certainly days that they, the higher-ups in the Big Ten kind of regret adding them. But overall, I think if they had to do it again, they would, especially with the day and age that we keep seeing more conferences expand. Absolutely. And, again, you know, Nebraska not knocking. Of course, Nebraska comes to Norman, I believe, next year. And I'm actually looking forward to assuming, let's, you know, not to get ahead of ourselves, that mm-hmm. we actually have a full season. And and maybe by then COVID will be gone and so on and so forth. <clears throat> but um, we look at the big overall, and, of course, the, the expansion, you know, we always – the expansion's kind of quiet down. But down the road, do you think the Big Ten eventually expands – one or two more teams. I know Oklahoma has been mentioned uh, leaving the Big 12 once that TV contract expires in the SEC, the Pac-12, and the Big 10s. Of course, they're big options. Do you see the Big 10 expanding any in the near, let's say, within the next 10 years, or do you think they're pretty, pretty solid with where they're at? I, I think they're pretty solid on where they're at with 14 and less a team like in Oklahoma. If Oklahoma comes available and says, hey, we, we're interested in joining your conference, you take Oklahoma. No questions asked. Um, right. But uh, I think they're pretty set with 14. It's interesting because years ago when they were at 11, there had always been rumors of expanding to 12 or to even try to get to 14 at the time before Nebraska even joined. 
the, the teams that were always thrown around that I heard was Missouri, who, of course, it would have made sense uh, geologically, but they end up going to the SEC. And Pittsburgh was another one that was always thrown around. And Notre Dame's always the one that oh, is yes. thrown around. But then, of course, which would make almost too much sense. But the problem is they joined the ACC. And then their football, they don't want to join a conference because they'll lose the NBC TV mm-hmm. right, which pays them a ton of money, which I understand. But uh, – I would love to see Notre Dame football get in the Big Ten. I just don't see that happening as long as their partnership with NBC is still strong. But uh, I think for the next decade or so, we're probably probably pretty safe at 14 teams in the Big Ten, which I'm still I'm still not keen on the record <laughs> edition. But uh, even though their, their basketball program last year was good and should be good again this year, and, the, and Greg Schiano might be able to get their football program going back on track a little bit like it was previously when he was there from 01 to 2011. But I do understand why they wanted to add Maryland and Rutgers specifically for the Washington, D.C. and New York City market. Total business sense, but – it's still for a long time, at least since Rutgers has joined, it's been like, uh, really? We couldn't got anybody. We couldn't got Syracuse or something. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think for the foreseeable future, 14 is the number they're going to stick up. I would agree on that. I think if, if, if there was to expand, I'm thinking probably maybe, I don't know, the Pac-12 or – I don't know. I think the SEC even at 14 where they're at right now, I think they're pretty solid. I mean, they got a well, they got a phenomenal conference, let's be honest with that. But yeah, they do. they're just top to bottom strength. A question strictly for the big tag guy on Twitter uh, from the far end of the bench podcast. Can the Big Ten make the playoff without an undefeated conference champion? That's a good question. I think it just all depends on how many other undefeated teams are out there. Um I mean, it's pretty safe to say I think Clemson and Alabama are going to go undefeated. So I think there's two. I just don't see anybody upsetting them. Notre Dame's going to lose to Clemson, and it wouldn't shock me if they fall to um, their road trip to uh, North Carolina. Um, So I don't see them making the playoff. Oklahoma State's an interesting one to watch. I mean, I know you're you're more tuned into the Big 12 than I am, but they're they're an interesting one. They seem to play up and down in their competition a lot, but they're but they're getting wins. I mean, if they go undefeated, you got to put them in there. But um, say those are the only three undefeated teams in the Big Ten. Ohio State is one loss. I could see Ohio State getting in. It kind of just depends. If it's Ohio State, Michigan, or Penn State, and they're all one of those three is one loss, and there's only three undefeated teams, and they end up winning the Big Ten title, the Big Ten championship game, I think they could get in. But where it becomes interesting is – if you have a one-loss Big Ten team and then you have a undefeated Pac-12 team, even though they're playing a very shortened season, that's where it's going to become really interesting. And something I kind of was hoping to grab somebody on, and you came at the right time. Um, let's just say, for example, you know, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, heck, even the Big 12. I mean, the Big 12, we've been having issues with uh, COVID-19, games being canceled, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um do, could we easily see a team from, let's say, even Oklahoma State for that matter, let's just throw Oklahoma State in there, from the Pac-12, from the Big Ten, from the Big 12, could we see a team potentially make the playoff or finish the season with seven games, eight games played? Even less than that depends on how many games are canceled or postponed. Yeah, that's a great question because, I mean, it's, it, I mean, this virus, like we know, can hit anybody at any time and, you can be as safe as you want. So a team can, I mean, it's not, the, it's usually not their faults. Uh, 
that they're getting games canceled due to due to COVID. So that's a really interesting question. I but I got to think the committee's going to look for the teams who luckily luck was the teams that had luck on their side to play a full schedule first. Um, like, I mean, look at Florida right now. I know they already got one loss, but that's this is two weeks in a row. Now they're not going to be able to play. I gotta think that's going to hurt their chances. And then they got a good chance to win the, win their division in the SEC. So oh, that's a really good question. I, I got to think they'll look for the teams who have played a full schedule first, but uh, that could definitely be a scenario they run into. Yeah, because, you know, my dad asked me that, uh, I think it was last night. And I'm like, you know what? I have no idea. I yeah, that's a great question. I, said, I really don't know what's going to happen if, assuming, like, say, in Ohio State or even Wisconsin was to be undefeated or even, you know, one loss, and but yet they play, let's say, seven games or six games or whatever the case may be. So mm-hmm. I was like, well, I really don't know. I don't know how that's going to work. Like you said, I would imagine uh, going full schedule. I would imagine first and then going from there. But um, I guess we'll I guess we'll find out. Yeah, I'm glad you and I don't have to make those decisions. Don't 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 sound like fun decisions to make, to be honest. <laughs> uh, another another question that uh, should be an interesting conversation. Jimmy Palat, uh Palato. I hope I'm not butchering his last name. Uh, but uh, as if the Big Ten now he's gonna we're going off of the scenario. Uh, Clemson goes undefeated. Alabama mm-hmm. goes undefeated, and rightfully so. Those two teams are far from everybody else at the moment. Yes. Um, if the Big Ten, the Big Twelve, and the Pac-12 champions all finish the season not undefeated, who makes the playoff? Uh, so you get two spots out of those three. Uh, let's see. I believe so. Yes, sir. I think uh, Big Ten, Big Twelve. I just think they're the better conferences over the Pac-12. As long as if, if all three say all three champions have one loss, um, yeah, I mean, I guess o- Oregon's probably going to be the most talented team in the Pac-12. I presume this year. Um, I haven't studied up a lot on the Pac-12, though. I do do have to admit that. But uh, I man, I look at the Big Twelve. I mean, I think Oklahoma State's better than any team in the in the Pac-12. I still think I still think uh, I know Oklahoma and Texas have had losses, but they're still very talented. I think Iowa State's good, but I, I think Oklahoma State's probably the Big 12's best bet right now to make the playoff. But uh, I think, yeah, if you have a one-loss Big 12 champion, one-loss Pac-12 champion, and one-loss Big 10, I think Big 10 and uh, Big 12 get the nod over the Pac-12. I like that. Um, as much as I don't like Oklahoma State, but I do respect the program. Phenom- yeah. Mike Gundy's done phenomenal at Oklahoma State. Yes, he has. Um, of course, we're gonna, I want to have to throw this out there. Just kind of curious on your thoughts. Mm-hmm. If Oklahoma, of course, Oklahoma's lost to two teams already. They started season one and two, worst times since 1990. Uh, 99, they lost back-to-back. 98, uh, worst start since then. If Oklahoma was to win out, and that includes beating TCU on the road, Texas Tech, and finishing out the November into December, could we see? Now, of course, everything else, they would have to absolutely have miracles upon miracles and ahead of them would have to happen. Mm-hmm. If Oklahoma happens to go win out the Big 12 and the Pac-12 Big 10 has some issues to where they can't complete the rest of the season, or, or not so much that, just maybe the Big 10 Pac-12 has two losses. Yep. Could Oklahoma theoretically still make the playoff, or do you think because of their losses to Iowa State, who lost to, a, I thought, I think it was still a pretty decent Louisiana team, and Kansas mm-hmm. State losing to Arkansas State, which that is a tough one. Do you think that's going to hold them back once it's all said and done? 
No, if all that falls into place, like you said, if they have a lot of help with uh, other teams getting two losses, Oklahoma's still one of the most talented teams in the country. I mean, you can just watch them on, on film and see that. I mean, Spencer Rattler is an unbelievable talent for a, for a young freshman. Um, Lincoln Riley is one of the best offensive minds in all of football, not just college football. So, no, I think absolutely. Um, and I think the committee takes um, into effect how you're playing – from middle to the end of the year, too. I mean, those two losses were early in the year. If they can play a full schedule and get through it and have no issues with COVID or anything and have two losses, but like Ohio State or a Big Ten team or Pac-12 team can't finish their season, absolutely I think they can get a nod in the big in, in, into the college football playoff if they uh, go go undefeated the rest of the way and, and win the Big 12. Of course, I'm going to – of course, I'm going to say this. I think, you know, easily Spencer Rattler um, by far – very young talent. Hopefully, you know, he can progress throughout the rest of the season, of course, and into the 21-22 season. We talk coaching, of co- course, nowadays coaches, it's cutthroat business. Um, could we see Urban Meyer back on the sideline, or do you think he's solidified? Because where I'm going with this is rumors that, te- you know, the Texas fans want him. Tom Herman, they want him out. Of course, Tom Herman um, on the hot seat, which is – Properly so, probably for Texas. Could we see Urban Meyer coach a game one? And if right, would he be a good fit at the University of Texas? I think we will see Urban coach again. I don't know how soon, but I definitely don't think he's retired for good. Um, he just likes to take breaks for his health. Um, understandable. Of course. But, uh, one job I've always thought he would be a good fit at, and, and it's not Texas. I, I've never thought about him fitting in Texas. He just doesn't seem like a – a Big 12 guy to me, but he has been to SEC and Big 10 already. I've always thought USC would be an interesting fit if that job came open. But but I definitely think – I think we will see him back coaching and I, eventually and it will be in college football, not the NFL. That's – I like that pick. I like the USC pick. I don't see him – I'm like you. I don't see him at Texas. Doesn't – his, his style does not fit the Big 12. Of course, the Big 12, as people may know, does not play defense. And we'll talk, <laughs> we'll talk defense. Uh, the SEC, which is the one that uh, loves to make fun of, especially for Oklahoma, loves to make fun of teams that with no defense. Don't know how many games you watched this year. No, I've tried to try to catch as many as I can. Uh-huh. Is it – do you think that the fact – and it's a, it's a good – kind of conversation. Do you think in your opinion, I know mine, I think a lot has to do with COVID, people trying to avoid it as much as possible during practice, less hitting, so on and so forth. Any reasons, or they could be, of course, they could be young. Question, I guess, uh, is any idea of why a lot of teams score a lot of points, especially in the SEC, which is known for defense galore, Defense are averaging, you know, I know US, you know, USC. I know that Ole Miss scored four, I think it was 48 on on Alabama. Of course, Arkansas can score some points. Do you think it's just because of the fact that this year is just everything's all out of whack, that we just – a lot of players are just, I guess, conditioned right? Or could this actually be a downfall for, for the SEC in regards to defenses that should be so young? I think it's got a combination of both. I, th- I think it's probably definitely just a unique year we're in and some players not as conditioned. And some players, honestly, I think it's going to be tough to, especially in the Big Ten, I'm not, I'm not switching gears here, but the Big yeah. Ten where they're not having any fans come in, 
it's got to be tough for a coach to get an 18 to 22 year old pumped up sometimes for these games without fans. It's, it's going to be a unique challenge for some of these coaches. And I think the SEC, that's a challenge too, even though they're having fans, they're just not a sold out stadium like they're used to. So, so at times I think, I think some of these kids probably quit on plays when they normally wouldn't, or maybe they're not as hyped up and, and ready to go into games as they normally would be. But I also think it's just a combination of some of these new coaches in the SEC. You know, the Lane Train, Lane Kiffin, bringing a new style into Ole Miss. Uh, of course, everybody was pumped up with uh, Mike Leach's offense yeah. and with what uh, Costello did at LSU week one, but they've really tampered off the last couple of weeks. I don't know what's going on there besides turnovers. It seems like the SEC's already figured out his playbook. I don't know. <laughs> but then I think Pittman's doing – I mean, he's doing – one of the better coaching jobs in the country right now at Arkansas. I didn't think they would be near this good this quick. Um, so I think it's got combinations of just some new faces and some new styles and, and, and just the fact, like you said, so that maybe some players aren't as well conditioned as they could be. And, and really a lot of these players are, are missing the um, non-conference games they usually play, usually, especially at least when Alabama's concerned, actually the SEC – as a whole, they, their non-conference schedule is pretty much a joke usually. So they play these cupcake teams, and they can get their reps and experience and their feet wet before going into conference season. And this year, that's just not the case. So uh, so it's definitely a down year for the defenses in the SEC, but it's hard to pinpoint exactly why. Yeah, you know, and, and the course <clears> – <throat> excuse me. And then the, Yeah, it's – and Mike Leach, Mike Leach, of course, Mike Leach – Phenomenal coach, uh, coach, especially on the offensive side. It seems like wherever mm-hmm. he goes, he succeeds. You know, it took him a while at Washington State. Of course, Texas Tech, he did pretty all right. You know, pretty decent for what the conference was. Of course, he got stuck when Texas and Oklahoma was, you know, a lot better than mm-hmm. mostly within Texas. Obviously, isn't right now. But um, the SEC, I'm kind of curious. Um, Florida, of course, is real good if they can get back on the field, so on and so forth. Last question before we sit, switch gears, if I can talk, switch gears to the NFL. Your early heading into the Big Ten season uh, season this weekend, your four predictions headed into the Big Ten season. What are your top four uh, storylines and then your early college football predictions? Sure. I think uh, Big Ten storylines, oh, this is a good one because you can go all over the place. But, uh, I, of course, number one, I think it's Ohio State. They're pretty close to beating Clemson last year in the college football playoff. I think this is. I think the Big Ten thinks Ohio State's the real deal this year, and that's why, of course, another reason they're really pushing to get football back So they think they can get them to the college football playoff and get that nice little extra revenue for everybody in the conference. So I think they're definitely a big headline. Um, you brought up Jim Harbaugh. Um, I think it's a big year for him. So uh, he he's in the headlines. I mean, can can he finally get over the hump and beat the Buckeyes? That's just a huge thing up in Ann Arbor that they haven't been able to do. Um, one headline for me is PJ Fleck in in Minnesota. You know, he had that great year last year, ten wins, beat uh, Auburn in the Outback Bowl. Now, what can he do with expectations for once? Um, he does have he learned he lost some talent in um, Tyler Johnson and. Uh, Antoine Winfield, who both play in Tampa Bay for the Buccaneers now, but he got, like I said, he's got Tanner Morgan back, he's got Bateman back, he's got some other talent around around his team up there. So, so can they contend for the West and do well with expectations on that program for once? And I think the other story storyline, like kind of headline, is um, well, actually, I'll do a combination of two here because I don't know which one I wanted to go to. <laughs> you, got, you got new coaches in Greg Schiano and Mel Tucker. 
at Michigan State. Mel Tucker's getting paid top 15 head coach mm-hmm. money in the country after only being a one-year head coach at Colorado. So I don't expect a lot of Spartans this year, but I think he will be a good recruiter as years are to come. And it'll be interesting to see if he can get that program back to where Mark D'Antonio had them at one time. And Greg Shano at Rutgers, it'll be interesting to see what he can do. I mean, he went 68 and 67, which doesn't seem great in a, in a decade span when he was the head coach there, but that was a heck of a lot better than anything they've had since. And then also I keep an eye on Iowa to see if they can keep their locker room in check because they've had a lot of distractions in this offseason with allegations and different things. And some more allegations actually just got brought up within the last week. So it'll be interesting to see if Kirk Ferentz can keep everything kind of in-house and on, on on a good good plane up there because uh, if not, this could be Ferentz's last year. And I know a lot of fans in Big Ten country, or I guess I should say a lot of Iowa fans, they um, – they have the name of your old ball ball coach Bob Stewart. That's who they want to be the replacement once Ferris is done there. So, well, I'm glad you brought that up. Not to go on a side. I know we were going to change um, subject real quick, but PJ Fleck and Kirk Ferris. Um, of course, I was going to actually that earlier. I'm glad you brought them up. PJ Fleck, of course, done a phenomenal job at Central Michigan. Courses. I thought he's done a pretty decent job at Minnesota. He's done a lot better than I ever expected him to do this. Oh, this fast. absolutely. I'll be honest with you, and I hope one day he listens to this and I will own up to what I say. I thought he took it for the money, and that was it. Yep, <laughs> and I still – son at Central Michigan, and that was going to be it. I, I, even though he signed the contract extension, I still think – and I don't care if he listens to this because on my podcast, I'm vocal. He is my least favorite yep. coach in the Big Ten. Even though I think he's a great coach, I'm not all for his stick. But uh, I still think he's using this job as a stepping stone for a bigger job. If Texas came open, maybe he's a fit down there. It'd be interesting Ooh. to see if Stick could go down there, but uh, I, I think he is still destined for a bigger job than Minnesota eventually. And that's actually my next question: was Do you think is this a stepping stool? Of course, like I said, I thought he did phenomenal compared to what I had him as. I'm like, okay, you got another Mac guy, and then he's gonna get his money, and he's gonna get fired in three, four years, and mm-hmm. they're going to mm-hmm. move on. Well, a lot of people forget he took over a Minnesota team that went 9-4 and four the year yeah. before with Tracy Clays, who did a fine job. He just kind of he kind of got bullied into, into being fired. It was kind of a raw deal um, he got. So so P.J. took over a pretty good program. He wasn't like he was taking over a, a team like Jeff Brom took over, a uh, Daryl Hazel-led team that won nine games in four mm-hmm. years and was just a – dumpster fire of dumpster fires as far as the head coach hiring. But um, yeah, I, I still think so. PJ, PJ's done well. I'll give him credit, but I still think he's using this job as, to get a bigger job down the road. And Kirk, of course, as far as I know, longest tenure coach at a program. Yes, he is. You're correct. I could be wrong. Um, how much <laughs> he's done great for how long he's been there. But realistically, for the Iowa program, how much longer do you think until they can finally just say, we've got to make a different scenario? Nothing personal, Kirk. You've done phenomenal, but we've got to absolutely eventually get a different face for this program. Next three years or so, I think. But uh, Iowa fans better be careful because they might just promote his son, who's the offensive coordinator, to be the head coach. I mean, um, it, but if I, if I was Iowa fans, I'd want to just get a new face in there for a whole new culture. And like I said, a lot of them think uh, good old Bob Stoops would come back, but I don't. I don't know if Bob would take the Iowa job or not. I don't know. That's a, that's quite a step down from Oklahoma. Iowa's a good program. Don't get me wrong, but they're no Oklahoma. So, 
And you never know. He may want to, you know, you know, officially end his career. I know he took Dallas Renegades XFL yep. thing ball. I think I kind of like to talk to Bob and say, "Hey, why did you why did you do this?" I'm kind of curious. But um, but anyway, you know, I don't think that ruins his legacy. But no, it'd be kind of interesting. I know he's no kid himself, but um, I've heard his tequila business is doing well. So you never know. Hey, and, and he did play. I mean, that's his alumni right there, Iowa. So, so that that's always a strong tie. I mean, I remember going through uh, the Jeff Brom um, to po- Louisville possibility two years ago when I was on pins and needles reading every report that was coming in because I was convinced he was leaving our program and going to Louisville. Thankfully, he turned him down, and and Purdue ponied up and gave him a ton of money. Um, but uh, I mean, it's it's got to be tough to turn down your your alma mater. That's got to be really hard. You yeah. never know. You know, I'm sure Bob. Bob's a smart guy. He'll um, definitely program rise. You know, nothing compared to Oklahoma. But maybe he, you know, maybe if that time comes and if he was to be offered, knowing it's less pressure. I mean, you never know. He may for three, four years and right off in the sunset. That's true. He definitely could. And and I know I want to answer your other question you had for me before we switch gears and talk some NFL. You wanted my early uh, four oh, uh, yes. playoff prediction. I will go Clemson and Alabama. I will go Ohio State, even though I don't I don't like that because I'm sick of Ohio State as a Big Ten fan, but they are just good year in and year out. Um, and th- this is where it gets tricky for me because I think Notre Dame loses two games. If they, lo- if they would only lose one game, maybe they're in the conversation, but I think they'll lose to Clemson and North Carolina. Um uh, see, I think I think Miami could run the table, but then lose to Clemson again, which would give them two losses. Um, I don't know what Oklahoma State's remaining schedule looks like. In the Pac-12, just plays so little games. I don't don't want to take Pac-12 team, so I'm going to take Oklahoma State as my fourth. But I'm not real confident in that pick. Yeah, I don't need to know. I don't have Oklahoma State right in front of me. I do know that they, that they have Iowa State this week in Stillwater. Um, I do know that it's on Fox. Watching that right after the uh, Oklahoma TCU game, but you never know. I mean, this could, this is a huge game for both Oklahoma State, towards OSU. They're the cream of the crop right now. The Big Twelve. I mean, practically that's the Big 12's last hope, in my opinion, at the moment. Yeah, at the moment, it definitely is too. They need some help if if anybody else is going to have a chance. And of course, Iowa State. They've got they have OSU's number, and so and Campbell, the upset them, specialist. He well. is the upset specialist. He. Uh, yeah. His teams are tough to figure out. They'll they'll beat teams when they're not supposed to, but then they'll lose a clunker to like uh, uh, Lafayette. Who, who, who Louisiana Lafayette or, or yeah, Lafayette's a fine team. The Raging Cajuns, they're, they're they're a pretty solid little team. But mm-hmm. well, that's a game that Iowa State's got to take care of business week one. But didn't do it. Now I thought you know headed into the season I thought you know I know Louisville I know Louisiana could can definitely compete when the Sun Belt with Appalachian State, but. If you would have told me that, hey, they're going to go up there and practically wallop Iowa State, I would be like, yeah, good job, you guys, good, uh, good, good prediction, because that was not going to happen. But and I got to ask, since you're a Big Twelve fan, and I think I know the answer to this, but what's everybody's opinion of Kansas? <laughs> Just like Rutgers, uh, why the hell are they in here? Now the big, the uh, Kansas, you know. I, I'm going to say this. Mark Mangina was a mistake. I don't condone what he did at Kansas at all. I don't. But they've 
probably a hundred times over regret firing him because you know Mark Mangino had him had Kansas in the Orange Bowl. I think they beat uh, Virginia Tech. You're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Virginia Tech in the Orange Bowl. They had that program going. Um, of course, he got stuck with the good Chase Daniel Missouri teams and the good Nebraska teams. I think you know I still think Mark Mangino beat Nebraska once or twice before he got fired. Um, but again. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. Big 12, I kind of wish there was a way we can just eliminate Kansas from football. Of course, basketball, that's what they're known for. Sure. But but, um, I don't know about Les Miles. His 2.7 million's gotten really nowhere. Um, He's lost now back to back years to Coastal Carolina. They're not even competitive this year. Now, with. with, Oh, Buki or Buka, Muka, whatever his name is. Uh, the running, the star running back, he's opted out, and without which I respect his decision. You know, his mom's health declining and all that. So I get that. That's perfectly fine. Uh, but Kansas is bad. Now, they've gotten a lot worse. And I, uh, I think that they've got to be one of the worst FBS teams. Yeah, that's kind of the response I was I was looking for yeah. and thinking you were gonna say. Um, but I agree. Yeah, they should have never hired or fired, even though I don't condone what he did either. Um, but Mangino uh, was doing a good job there. And then uh, I don't recall the guy's name they hired from Buffalo, but they only gave him two years. Oh, uh, Turner Gill. Turner Gill. Yep. Thank you. And then they gave him the axe, which I, I know he didn't do great, but I thought two years was not enough time to try to get that thing going again. But uh, yeah, and the Les Miles thing was just I think more for some press and publicity than anything else. But I do know they put some money into their football facilities, but uh, Chris Harris Jr. and Akeem Tlaib aren't walking through those doors anytime soon to re, uh, re, uh, re-up for the Jayhawks. So, unfortunately, I don't think they're going to be good anytime soon. No, and a, I get a buddy of mine since second grade, he's a diehard Jayhawk fan. And that poor guy, I'm so glad that the cheese won for him because this guy – he, I mean, I'll give him credit. He's a solid Jayhawk fan, regardless of how horrible that they are on the football field. Um, but they're bad. <laughs> they're just really bad. Of course, they're just they're not. Yeah, they're they're god awful. And maybe one day that they'll get back up there. But right now, Kansas is our Rutgers in the Big Ten. And I feel your pain. <laughs> hey, I'll give the Sun Belt credit. They swept the Big Twelve. So. Good job. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that's something they they need to be proud to hang their hat on. That's pretty cool for small conference. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm not even at all knocking them. That's they really the Sun Belt really should make a trophy and yeah. and say, hey, we swept the Big Twelve or something. I don't know, yeah. but hey, it is what it is. Switching switching gears to the NFL. Um, I don't know where to begin on this one. Uh, let's go with the New York Jets. Um, Oh my a, a buddy of mine, he does a podcast. I was on it a while back. The question, and we kind of talked about, I may kind of get your input. Uh, presuming the Jets lose out, which that, there's a very good chance of that. They go 0 16, 0 14, depends on how the season finishes out. And <clears throat> they're sitting at the number one spot. The question that Dan brought up was if you're the Jets, do you trade Sam Darnold? What team? To who, first of all? Second one is, do you then go after Trevor Lawrence, or do you think Trevor Lawrence is going to be like an Eli Manning and practically say, I'm not going to go to the Jets and practically want to play for somebody else? 
Um, to answer your question, yes, I do think you uh, trade Sam Darnold, and yes, you do get Trevor Lawrence. Um, from everything I've read about Tro- Trevor, he seems like a pretty humble kid. Said he grew up not really having a favorite NFL team. He said if he had to pick one, it would probably be the Falcons. Um, so he, he doesn't seem like a guy who would want to sit out based on the team that's going to draft him, but I guess you never know. But, I, I mean, I think he's a once-in-a-lifetime type of talent that can fall into your lap, kind of like uh, Andrew Luck was looked at mm-hmm. coming out of college, Peyton Manning, John Elway, um, you know, once in every 20 years or so. Um, so, yeah, I do think I think if the Jets go 0-16 or, or even don't go 0-16 but get the number one pick, I think that's the move they got to make. I mean, Darnold still could have a good – future left in him, but I don't think it's going to be Trevor Lawrence worthy. And and three teams I got in mind that could potentially be good suitors for him, in Indianapolis Colts. I think uh, Phillip Rivers is only a one-year deal. Yeah. Uh, I don't yeah. – I mean, he's old. He's losing it. He just is what he is. I mean, I think they could – they thought they could – and then they're four and two. They're doing fine. But they thought they could just win by him not turning over the ball and – playing good defense in the run game. Well, he has turned over the ball too much, and that's why they have two losses. But So I think that could be a fit because Brissett's going to be a free agent. I don't think they think Jacob Eason's the future, even though they, they took him in the draft. Um, Chicago Bears are another one to keep an eye on. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky's pretty much done there. And Nick Foles, uh, he is what he is. I mean, he's a starter right now, but let's be honest, he's better when he's a backup and comes yeah. into the game. Um, so, so, I mean, the Bears have been looking for a a good quarterback pretty much the whole existence of their franchise. I mean, talent-wise, Jay Cutler is probably the best they've ever had. But, you know, you and I as Bronco fans know he's got nothing between the years. So <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, and, I mean, that's just a franchise that's never really had a good quarterback, so they don't know what good quarterback play is. Watch out for the Saints. Um, I think this is Drew Brees' last year, and as a diehard Purdue fan, that pains me to say. I, I hate to see him slipping a little bit, but mm-hmm. you know, father time holding no mercy, and when he strikes, he strikes hard. And I, d- I know they do have Jameis as a backup. I guess they could roll with Jameis and extend his contract, but I don't know if you want a quarterback that throws about 30 interceptions a year. So um, Sam Darnold might be a more safe bet down there because Tyson Hills. I mean, he's an interesting prospect, but he's more of a hybrid instead of a quarterback. He is what I think Tim Tebow should have turned yep. into, but Tim Tim wanted to be quarterback. So, so <laughs> those are the three teams I would keep an eye on if the Jets do get number one pick, want to roll with uh, Trevor Lawrence, and decide to get rid of um, Darnold. Absolutely. And, of course, when we kind of get our conversations, it's kind of heated. And a buddy of mine, Kyle, I, I love these guys at depth. They're more like brothers. But Kyle is not very fond of my idea in regards to – the Denver Broncos in regards to we'll continue talking quarterbacks here in Denver. And of course I'm a huge Drew Locke fan. I love Drew Locke, but realistically, of course we have to be honest at the same time is he's been part of the, he hasn't been on the field much, went four and one last year, looked phenomenal. Of course, a cheese game, which a lot of people still roast us over, which I don't get because let's be honest, the Chiefs were way above Denver last year and still are. Um, of course, it's blizzard conditions, but anyway, whatever. Um, do you think Denver still sticks with Drew Locke even after, let's just say, this year, probably next? Do you really think he's the franchise quarterback, one? And two, a, a conversation was brought up that they think Aaron Rodgers could be traded because of Jordan Love. Do you think Denver's 
and John Elway could do it easily what they did with Peyton Manning, except for obviously not trade for him. But do you see Aaron Rodgers being a Denver option if he happens to be either traded or a free agent? Well, that's an interesting scenario. I'm, I'm a big Drew Locke fan too, and I think he's only going to continue to get better. I mean, he's he's still kind of like a rookie. Oh, I, mean, I know it's the second year, but he just hasn't had too many games under his belt. And hopefully he's learned from his injuries maybe to stay in the pocket a little more, even though I love his playmaking ability. Oh, yes. Um, so so I do think he is their future. Um, I hope Broncos country can be more patient. It's kind of ticking me off that a lot of Broncos country, I mean, we got so spoiled with the Peyton Manning years and just have had, not had good quarterback play really ever since, and we're we're starving for it. But they, they just got to be patient with the kid. I think he's yep. going to continue to get better. Um I thought he'll actually look pretty good um, Sunday besides those two interceptions. And I know statistical, statistically speaking, it wasn't the best, but he also had three or four drops that could have been touchdowns. So, um, But if Aaron Rodgers is out there, that's a unique opportunity. I think one John would look at, but we got to be careful. we gotta, we got to see where John's head's at too because John's contract, I believe, mm-hmm. is up after next year. I believe it is, yeah. So uh, it just depends if he wants to keep going or not. You know, the Broncos have such an ownership mess right now with uh, <laughs> some legal stuff with the Bowling family going on, and we really got to hope that plays out quicker, uh, sooner than uh, later because that will be a that's a headache they got to get figured out. But uh, I, I think that's something John would entertain. But if he wants to go another four years after this contract expires of being the GM, I think. I think he'd be smart to still roll with Drew Locke if that's the guy he wants because Aaron Rodgers is going to be winding down too. And, and whenever Father Time hits him, even though he's having a spectacular year this year, whenever Father Time hits him, um, he's got to hit hard. And, and who knows, Green Bay might keep on to him for three or four more years and make Love wait like they made Rodgers wait for Favre. So. Well, absolutely. And, you know, I've seen Jordan Love not in person at Utah State. I think he could be a quarterback. I was a little surprised that Green Bay went that route. And again, we can't knock Jordan Love, what we don't know, what we can't see. Um, but I'm like you with, in regards to the Broncos country. Be patient. I like Drew Locke. Um, I think he is the future. And again, uh, he, he got to be on the field more. And um, I think he's, I thought he played decent on Sunday uh, for what was given. And a lot of people, you know, Broncos country, which I'm a little like you, I'm getting frustrated with this. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest, we had, we've dealt with a lot of injuries. Um, so many injuries I, I, at this point. I don't know who's out at this point. Um, but uh, when you lose Sutton, of course, you know, Vaughn on offense, on the receiver, K.J. Hamler, of course, he's been out from week at times, and Noah Fant's out for a while, and, and the running game with Melvin Gordon. Which, by the way, do you think the league's going to get involved with Melvin Gordon? Yeah, I think they have to, uh, legally-wise with a DUI. Usually – Usually the normal suspension of three games. So I, I think that's coming sooner, pretty soon. I don't know when, but, yeah, unfortunately, that was just a dumb, dumb decision on his part. should have yeah. known better. You're an NFL football player. Be more responsible. Call an Uber. And the, the frustrating part is they had four days off, and you do it the day before you have to go back to work. That's just not very smart thinking. But, no. but hey, Philip Lindsay looked great Sunday. So I'm proud Phillip of the hometown boy. Yes. And, uh, of course, Kyle, I hope he does listen to this. So my prediction in front of the seat before the season started was 11-5 and five for Denver, but not winning the division, rightfully so. Sure. <clears throat> do, you think, do you think that was too – because Kyle think that was too high. Do you think that was too high of expectations knowing 
what we didn't know, what we saw in, in Drew Locke last year, of course, the the um, free agency, I thought we did pretty well uh, getting Glasgow on the offensive line, A.J. Bouye in the, in the secondary, so on and so forth. And, of course, the draft, which I think is one of Elway's probably better ones that he's had, um, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Do you think 11-5 was too high uh, entering the season? I, I predicted them, I believe, 9-7. and seven. And I thought their ceiling was ten and six, so I wasn't that far behind you. But I think eleven and five probably was a little stretch. But but I get it. We we a lot of us in Morocco country we drink the uh, orange and blue uh, Kool Aid or have orange <laughs> and blue shades on. I'm, I'm I fall for it every year. I mean oh, that's just here. good Absolutely. fans, right? That's good fans. So, yeah. um, and, and uh, yeah, I I just didn't. Um, I, I like the way they finished last year, four and one. But uh, I just knew. I knew Kansas City was still a team to beat and still are right now in the AFC West and probably will be for a perceivable future, unfortunately. But uh, um, I just didn't really know what to expect. I knew I knew I thought the offense could be explosive, but I knew the offense was going to be young. I mean, Corlin Sutton, your number one wide receiver, is entering only, only his third year. Jerry Judy, a rookie. K.J. Hamler, a rookie. No offense, second year. Some makeshift uh, new offensive line. So, so, so I didn't really know what to expect, so I think that's why I kind of safely went 9-7 and seven with a ceiling of 10-6. and six, But uh, – but I, I still think this team in franchise has such a bright future, but we just got to be patient for everything to fall into place. Be patient um, and be – we got to be healthy, which, you know, of course, Vaughn exactly. Miller, that was a fluke thing. He just – that was a fluke. I mean, that was mm-hmm. as fluke as you could get. And then, of course, COVID and then everything else bottomed out. So I yep. think we're – I think – I still think we're going to win a lot of games in the near future. Future's still bright. I'm sure we've got to be one of the youngest in the league. Um, we are the youngest on offense in the whole league, uh, average age. Uh, Melvin Gordon's the oldest at the age of 28, I believe, for starters. So, yep. Last question of Denver, and then, we'll t- then, we'll, then we definitely will talk uh, some NFL. Do you think Do you think Garrett Bowles gets traded or released at the end of the season? You know, if Garrett Bowles continues to play like he is right now, he better be a Denver Bronco for the next couple of years. <laughs> and I was a guy that ripped Garrett Bowles so much the last yep. couple of years on my podcast. I wouldn't even refer to him as Garrett Bowles. I would call him number 72. <laughs> I called him Gump. I called him uh, uh, Kevin Dandino on the Orange Weekly podcast I do the post game with. He used to call him Gumballs because he would just hold on to people. Um, we had a lot of names for him, but it wasn't Garrett Bowles. But I will eat crow, and Garrett has played very well this year. Yes, I think he's he been the Broncos' most reliable offensive lineman. I don't know what if he's just, you know, learned a lot technique-wise from Mike Munchak or if it's, you know, not having fans there because I think he holds it when he gets called for three or four holds, the fans get on so bad he probably loses his confidence or the fact that the NFL is not calling holding penalties as often as they have in years past. I don't know, really know what to uh, contribute to that, but I am happy that Garrett Bowles is playing the way he is. So if he continues to play like this, I hope he's a member of the Denver Broncos for for a little while. Oh, absolutely. And he's done. I thought he's done phenomenal this year. I was kind of curious. I was hoping that maybe I wasn't just daydreaming over here. and. Nope. Uh, <laughs> I was hoping that we see Jawan James, last one for Denver. Uh, Jawan James, do you, what do you think of this guy? I mean, I know COVID was a, his opt out, but do you think he's even going to play? Is he going to start at this point? Waste of money. And um, one of my guys I do the TNJ Man show with, he's a big Dolphin fan. He warned me right when we signed him. He goes, dude's made of glass. He said, be careful what you signed. And I'm like, eh. 
whatever. You're just saying that because he went to Denver, and then we got a game and a half out of him so yep. far. At the end of the season, will be game and a half, and we're paying him a league high for a right tackle, or at least at the time was. Maybe he's not now, but uh, just think a waste of money, and he's not going to get any younger. And if we got younger guys who can play the position just as good, if not just a little worse, play those guys. I don't know. I just think it was a bad, bad, bad contract looking back on it. Absolutely. Um, of course, Las Vegas, uh, Justin Herbert, your impressions on Herbert and, and what does he look, do you think it's Herbert time moving forward? Of course, um, from now, not just this season, but from here on out. Yeah. I think Herbert is the dude for LA for a long time. Um, it's frustrating as a Bronco fan to see that. All right, the Chiefs are set for a long, long time with Mahomes. Now, Herbert said, actually, I think that puts some pressure on Drew Locke to make sure he's the guy in Denver. Um, I don't think Vegas has sold completely yet on Derek Carr. I mean, Carr's an okay quarterback. He won't make you a ton of mistakes, but he won't go out there and win you tons of games either. Uh, I don't know if Gruden's completely sold on him because there was, you know, that rumor a few years ago that they were going to try to get Kyler Murray. Um that didn't happen, of course. He fell out of the Cardinals. But, uh, yeah, I think Herbert Herbert's already better than I thought he would be as a rookie. Um, I didn't know he could throw the deep ball so well. I mean, I watched him in Oregon, but I just don't remember his deep ball being so well. And I think John Elway was a little frustrated that Herbert came back to college last year because if he would have came out two years ago, I think we would see Herbert on the mm-hmm. Broncos roster because Elway fell in love with him, and I think he would have made a move to go get him. Um, but it is what it is, and uh, – uh, good for Charger fans, even though I don't know char- any Charger fans. I don't even know if they have fans because they never showed up. Well, they're not, they're not at the games. <laughs> yeah, they're not at the games and never really have been at the games. So, uh, um, But, no, I do think they found their quarterback of the future. But that's just kind of frustrating from a Broncos standpoint. It is. And the AFC West uh, is going to be – if Drew Locke can do what we think he can, I think he will, this AFC West quarterback and just talent-wise is going to be probably the toughest – um, divisions in the league because, I mean, Herbert can obviously – we've seen what he can do, but we all know what Mahomes can do. And Locke, I think he can he can be in between those two. But um, we look – overlook – who's your surprise team so far in regards to how the season has, has played out? And in regards to Dallas, of course, Dak Prescott took a really nasty injury. Of course, he's out for the remainder uh-huh. of the year. Of course, contract year for Dak. I still think they overpaid Zeke. Do you still see Dallas going after Dak, or is Dak going somewhere else after this season officially ends? Well, to answer your first question, surprise teams, I got a couple. Uh, one of them is probably one that people are going to be like, really? Why, why are you picking them? They're 3-3. Three and three. But one of them is the Carolina Panthers, and that's because I thought they might win two or three games all year. You know, I thought Matt Rule was a bad decision as a – you know, I mean, I thought he did great at Temple. He did great at Baylor, but I'm like, he's not an NFL head coach. But he's proven me wrong. He kn- he knows what he's doing, and and they're winning all these games without, in my opinion, the best running back in the NFL, Christian McCaffrey, mm-hmm. which is really a head scratcher. I don't know how that's happening, but I think they're a surprise team. Uh, this other team, I had high expectations, but then I tampered my expectations because of the injuries, and that was San Francisco. But I think they're playing really well right now considering all the injuries but we shouldn't be surprised because john john lynch is a good gm and kyle shanahan is, shanahan is one of my favorite head coaches in the nfl and i still wish la would have hired him over vance joseph um but that's a conversation for another day and then uh, my, my third surprise 
Well, actually, it's two teams. The Titans and the Steelers. I both thought they would be good, but I didn't think they'd be this good. Um, I mean, Vrabel's just a good coach. Derrick Henry's just a beast. And Tannehill's the perfect quarterback for that team. He doesn't have to do a whole lot. And I think the Titans are going to be good for years to come. And the Steelers, that defense is just downright nasty. Um, I didn't expect them to be as good as they are. And, and Chase Claypool is now uh, – him and Juju are going to be threats for the Steelers for years to come. So, um, yeah, I think all four of those teams are kind of surprises for me. And then as Dallas goes, man, what a tough situation for Dak Prescott, kind of betting on himself, turning down a bunch of money, then having that horrific ankle injury that thankfully for him it looks like he will be back in about like six months recovery time. So so it's not as bad as it could have been. But uh, I actually do think he will be back as the Cowboys – quarterback for the future i think i think they will get something done especially if any dalton and company can't get anything going um going forward that just proves you that dak that dak was um really that valuable to the team absolutely and i guess my surprise team was well i think one is definitely pittsburgh uh just for simple fact i thought this is mike tomlin's do or die year if he can't take this team to the playoffs or at least get where this team, where this program or organization should be, he's definitely out the door. I think he's done phenomenal. Ben Roethlisberger is probably the healthiest he's been in quite some time. He looks pretty good. Of course, Chase Claiborne, the rookie out of Notre Dame, looks to be a stud. And, of course, Juju and that defense, as you mentioned, is is absolutely nasty. Um, a little surprise, I guess you would say, so to speak, <laughs> is Cleveland. Your, your thoughts on Cleveland, my thoughts on Cleveland – um, Baker Mayfield, me personally, as much as he's a Sooner fan, but hey, as my dad would always say, they moved on. They're with, they're in the NFL now. They're no longer a, a Sooner Husker, whatever the case may be. Baker Mayfield, is he I, – I think his contract's up after next season, I believe. Yeah, yeah, he's got a three-year rookie contract or four-year rookie contract. Yeah. Could we see Cleveland eventually draft a quarterback this year or even next year um, or the 21 draft or 22 draft? Is he the answer for Cleveland? Because it looks like to me he had a great rookie season, and since then, and let's just be honest, he's been a Cleveland quarterback that we all see. Well, it's a good question. I, th- I think the media is a little hard on Baker, to be honest. Um, I know he had a great career at Oklahoma, Heisman Trophy winner, number one draft pick, so some of that comes with with that territory, but – I mean, he had a bad game last week. I get that against uh, that Steeler defense that, like we said, is just nasty. And they'll do that about any quarterback. But I thought Cam Newton played bad against the Broncos D that's getting better and better. And Cam Newton doesn't get hit by the media at all. All the media wants to do is make excuses for uh, Belichick, uh, uh, Josh McDouche, excuse my language, but I can't call him McDaniels. I can't stand him. And in the Patriots, they just make excuses for them and, and – and, and Cam's not getting the blame. So I think Baker kind of gets hit on from the media. I, I still think the Browns are a very talented team, and I think they got a good shot sneaking into the playoffs this year. Um, but Baker's in a tough position. He's got to make sure OBJ and, uh, and, and Jarvis Landry, two of the more prima donna divas in the whole league, are happy at all times. If not, he, they're going to complain to him. I mean, OBJ came out today and said he's tired of being – Mr. Nice Guy and trying to be a liked guy and he's going to be who he is. And I'm like, oh my gosh, here we go. The locker room's going to blow up again. So, But I, I do think Baker needs to get them to the playoffs either this year or next year to be the guy going forward. Bray, I don't know if this is legit. I'm hoping a buddy of mine's trending as uh, trolling me. But just so you know that supposedly 
Uh, Las Vegas is talking to Atlanta about potentially trading for Julio Jones. Wow. Um, I, did, I did hear some rumors today that I read an article that was saying, could uh, Matt Ryan and Julio be on the move? I don't know if that meant like soon or after the year. And one guy thought Matt Ryan would be a good fit in San Francisco. And the other guy thought Julio would be a good fit in Green Bay. But uh, if Vegas does get Julio, that, that makes them uh, – yeah, I mean they already they they got talent. They already they beat Kansas City two weeks ago, which none of us saw coming, and uh, they got some speed with Rugs already there, and uh, a few other guys. So, yeah, Julio could be pretty good there. I hope that I hope that's false. I hope he's I hope your buddy's trolling you. <laughs> I, I I do too. Um, of course, we're finished out here. A few more teams: Texans, uh, Bill O'Brien out, the general manager. Of course, he was GM, head coach, and. Practically ruin the organization at this point. Where, where does the Texans? Who uh, any candidates you think uh, could fit um, what Houston is trying to do uh, with that organization? I know, of course, college coaches wise, Lincoln Riley, of course, uh, is always mentioned along with a few others. Um, college coaches haven't really failed, um, fared off too well in the NFL, so to speak. Who would be your top choice? Any surprisers? Um, and then also any coaches in your opinion that is on a hot seat as of right now through week six, as we head into week seven. Yeah. My, I think, I think if you're at Houston, um, if you want an offensive coach and I, and his name is escaping me right now, it's driving me nuts. The offense coordinator for Kansas city. Um, Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. I don't know why his name is escaping me. I could usually tell you right away, but, uh, I mean, I mean, he's been rumored for jobs for years, over for the last two or three years. So I think he's got to be up there towards the top of the list. Um, I mean, it was time for Bill O'Brien to go. I'm surprised they did it this early in the season. But um, I thought maybe they'd strip him of his GM duties first and then his head coaching duties later. But they decided just – I just don't think he was a good fit anymore. I think he was a jerk and the players just didn't like him anymore. Um, but I think um, – Oh, it's just bugging me that I can't remember his name. I think it's, that, Eric, oh, oh, it's Eric B. Uh, ben Benemy. Yeah, uh, Ben something. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. Um, I think he 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 would be a good option for Houston. Um, um, the uh, offense coordinator in New England. Now I'm not going to mention my name. I know his name, but I'm just not going to mention uh, my name. Yeah. I can't stand him. Like like we talked. See, he's an interesting one because I feel like he's had opportunities to be head coach the last couple of years, and he turned him down. Heck, he was the well, coach, coach, coach for, for like day. twelve hours. Um, and then, then they actually, and, and of course, living in Indiana, I have tons of friends that are Colts fans, and I told every one of them, I said, "You guys just that was a blessing in disguise that he turned you guys down." Oh God, yeah. Because you're you're going to be, and they were with Frank Reich was a lot better fit. So, I don't, I don't know if he becomes a head coach again. Um, uh, interesting name to watch in the college ranks. I don't think he would take the job because he's really well suited where he's at, but. He did coach Deshaun Watson in college, and that's Dabo Sweeney from Clemson. Especially if Clemson was to win another title, what mm. else is there left for him to do there? The Texans could true. shell him a lot of money, but I still think he stays at Clemson. But that, that's an interesting one to keep an eye on. Do you but, think um, – do do, could you see Greg Roman being mentioned, the Baltimore Ravens offensive coordinator? Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's a good one. I think I think that's – yeah, absolutely. I think, I think uh, the Texans will probably hire a – NFL coordinator, offense coordinator, if, they, if they're smart. And, and either either one of those two guys, I think, would be good fits. And as far as coaches on the hot seat, 
Well, Adam Gase is a goner. We all know that. Oh, yes. I, I, honest, I honestly think they're keeping on to him because they know he's so terrible that <laughs> if they let him go and promote somebody else, somebody else might actually accidentally win a few games and take them out of the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. Um, no, I actually think that. I think they are but with trading Le'Veon Bell and a couple of other pieces. I think they really are tanking for Trevor. But Gase is a—he will never be head coach again in the NFL. He's pretty much proven that he's a worthless head coach. Um, uh, let's see who else. I think Mike Zimmer could be in trouble in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, that Kirk Cousins deal is looking like one of the worst contracts in the NFL, if not in sports. It's just not working out well for anybody. I think Matt Patricia is a goner in, in Detroit. I think he's the perfect scenario where he's a good uh, defensive coordinator, but not a good head coach. Kind of like Vance Joseph is proving in Arizona right now that he can be a good defensive coordinator, but maybe he just wasn't cut out to be a head coach. Um, so I, I think those are all kind of the guys um, to keep an eye on. I, I think everybody else, for the most part, is uh, pretty safe. Joe Burrow, I can't stand him. It's not for what he did to Oklahoma. It has nothing to do with it. I just don't think Joe's I, – I just don't like his attitude. Do you Do you think he'll succeed? A little quick answer. Do you think he'll succeed in the NFL? Um, yeah, I, th- I think he's going to be pretty good. Um, he doesn't have much to work with right now in Cincinnati and his offensive line. If they don't boost that offensive line, though, he's going to get killed and won't play a long NFL career, kind of like the Colts ruined Andrew Luck if they're not careful. So, but but I think I think it'll be pretty good. And then, of course, I'll, I'll end the show on this. Kyle's a big Buffalo Bills fan, and I okay. he's he's well, he's big Buffalo. He he lives in I think Long Island. I could be wrong. Okay. He lives in New York. Big old Buffalo Bill fan. Is what's your thoughts on Buffalo? Josh Allen is he the well? Obviously, he's a real dude. Can Buffalo theoretically win a Super Bowl this year, or are they still a few years out? I think they're the team to beat in the AFC East, and I think they will be for the next few years. And I think Josh Allen is the real deal, and he's their first franchise guy they've had since Jim Kelly. Um, I don't think they can win the Super Bowl this year. I think they're still a a few years away. I think the team coming out of the AFC, to be honest, as painful as it is for me to say yet again, I think it's either going to be Kansas City Pittsburgh or possibly Tennessee, but I'd say either Kansas City or Pittsburgh if I was a betting man. And I wouldn't count out Baltimore, but I, I, I do think I think Kansas City, Pittsburgh, and Tennessee are ahead of Baltimore. But I'd say Kansas City or Pittsburgh would be my two. And then, then the NFC, um, I think Seattle's pretty good, except if they get Antonio Brown, he could blow up the whole locker room, and that, that might be a mess. The Bears are not as good as their record. Um, they're winning ugly. I don't know how they're doing it. Um, I can't figure out the Rams and their four and two record. I can't figure them out at all. Um, the Saints, eh, I, I would love to see Drew Brees have one more run at it, but oh, yes. I mean they, they get they get so unlucky in the playoffs. I mean the Minneapolis miracle, and then and then the uh, Vikings beating them in the in the Superdome last year. I just don't see the Saints doing it. It wouldn't surprise me for Tampa Bay to become the first Super Bowl host to uh, play in the Super Bowl. They're starting to click, unfortunately, and uh, and they're pretty good on both sides of the ball. So, so I think Buffalo's a good team, but I think they're still a couple years away from continuing for a Super Bowl. Well, I have to let Kyle know, listen to the show, and then uh, he'll he'll want he'll, he'll that it's a if the NFL is real big, and and I love giving Kyle. Of course, he's a Bills fan. Of course, he says that we're going to get romped by him, but that's perfectly fine. If the if Denver does, then we do. Uh, but, 
on this last question, I just got a text. Uh, Pete Carroll, um, with his age, how much longer do you think he can coach? And then last but not least, uh, will Denver ever go back to the traditional uniforms prior to the change regarding to the old logo, which I kind of – I like the Color Rush logo helmets. Yeah, I'll answer your Pete Carroll question first, then we'll end on the Denver uniform question. But Pete's getting up there in age, even though he, he's a guy who looks like he doesn't age, but he is getting up there in age. Oh, yes. Uh, I only – I see three years max, maybe maybe closer to two more years. I mean, if they win a title this year, maybe he just retires and goes out on top. Um, but he's been a good fit in Seattle. He, um, I didn't know how well he would do after he left USC, where he had all the success there, but left uh, right before they, you know, had all the cheating scandals break down. So he knew what he was doing leaving there. But uh, I only see two to three more years. Um, but as long as he's there and Russell's there, they're going to be contenders every year. And then as far as the Broncos uniforms are concerned, I like their current uniforms, but I like the color rush helmets yep. the best. Um, and I think it is time to tweak the uniforms a little bit. They are starting to use the old retro D logo a little mm. more on different things. So maybe we do see a combination of that. I I, I would like to see the, them switch their helmets to the old D and then um, I, I don't say I don't think they have to do color rush jerseys every week, but but I think Nike owes them a some other teams have got jersey redesigns. The Broncos haven't since they got paid main in 2012 when they switched their all they really did was switch their primary colors from blue to orange. And then they haven't really been touched since. So, uh, so I definitely think it's time. And as a guy who buys jerseys and gets excited about uniforms and stuff, um, that would be pretty exciting if that's to come here soon. Very nice. And of course, I just saw that you're an AEW fan. There's a rumor Brock Lesnar is going to AEW. I would love it. I would. Too. Um, I love AEW. I am. I am a big. I'm. I'm actually a pro wrestling fan, but I am yep. a, all a, all AEW and. WWE's losing me week by week. I yep. hardly watch their product anymore. And the only reason I have the network is so I can watch documentaries and go back and watch the Monday Night Wars and oh, when WCW yes. and uh, Raw were just king, you know. But, um, but yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I don't get to talk about that too often. So, uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to go to an AEW show when they came to Indianapolis last year. And I can't wait till uh, we're all able to go to live wrestling events again because um, they put on another great show last night. I that's the show I got to be in front of my TV from eight to 10 every uh, Wednesday night for dynamite. Um, I, I can't even miss it. Even, even though I do record it just in case, but uh, <laughs> I, I love what, I love what a and is doing. I think it's Tony Khan's a great owner. Um, he makes me even respect the Jaguars a little bit because he's doing a good job with AEW. So uh, <laughs> I love what they're doing with the, uh, the future of the industry and, and, and so many young, uh, exciting talents. And it's, it's a fun product to watch for sure. So I would be all for Brock Lesnar coming even if it was just for a um, two or three appearances, just because uh, that would really tick Vince McMahon off and that would uh, really start the war big time. I will still say the NWO was the best thing ever happened in pro wrestling for quite a while. The NWO for life. Oh, yes. Yes, sir. I, yes. I'm, I was a big NWO. I was big time. I still you know, oh, remember Bret Hart and, of course, the Montreal Screwjob and Shawn Michaels and the attitude with The Rock and – and of course, um, Stone Cold. And if you really want to go old school, a lot of people won't know this, but you know, Triple H originally started out as Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Yes, sir. Yep. And, mm -hmm. and before that, he was in WCW. Before that, so. And Stone Cold actually had hair at one point in time. 
Yes, he did. And he was in WCW and ECW, and he was uh, stunning Steve Austin. Yep. Yep. So, uh, yep, that's a, oh, man, those are good days. Yep, that's the reason I keep the network, because the the WWE product, I just feel like they are uh, making fun of my intelligence anymore when I watch that product. It's it's bad. Oh, it's just bad. All right, yep, Jamie, am, how, uh, how can these guys find you on you know, on social media, Twitter, and uh, all that good stuff? Yeah, absolutely. I'm on um, Twitter and Instagram at Tanner Lee 18, and um, both podcasts that I'm a host of the Tanner J Man Show and the Boiler Breakdown. You can like both those on Facebook, and of course, I got Twitter and Instagram for those two. The Tanner J Man Show's at Tan and J Man Show. That's on both Instagram and Twitter. And the Boiler Breakdown podcast is Boiler Break Pod on Twitter and Instagram. So the Tan and J-Man show, I talk, uh, me and my co-host talk uh, every Monday night. We're live from 6.30 to 7.30 Eastern time, uh, not only on all podcast platforms, but also the ISC Sports Network. So it's live on their website, the actual video feed. We talk all kinds of sports, but with a concentration on Big Ten, NFL, and MLB. And then the Boiler Breakdown podcast, try to record once a week uh, during the season we cover purdue football and basketball so if those things interest you please uh, hit that subscribe button and uh give us a rating and review so appreciate it and i appreciate you having me on michael this has been a, a blast for the last o- little over an hour really enjoy it oh absolutely tanner anytime you feel free to hit me up and I'll, I'll send you my number here after i get off of here and if OU ever plays purdue which i kind of hope we get more big 10 teams on our schedule i know we had ohio state and we got michigan uh, I think in two years. But if we ever play Purdue, whether it's a bowl game or we uh, hit up to Big Ten country, I'll uh, I'll hit you up and I'll I'll have to meet you up there. Absolutely. If if Purdue can get up to the levels of Ohio State and Michigan to where we're playing Oklahoma, count me in, man. Count me in for sure. Hey, you never know. You never know. Yep. It just takes a little hot streak for a few years, and the whole program can turn around. So. Hey, it, I've seen it happen. It's. Purdue's getting that direction. They just got to get uh, past uh, Ohio State and Wisconsin. I think they might be there. And Penn State. Penn State and uh, Coach Franklin's in a well job. Yep, there's a lot of good teams and good coaches in the Big Ten, and I just want Purdue to win the West one of these years so they can have a chance to win the Big Ten and, and possibly maybe go to Pasadena or if they're real lucky, get sneak their way into a college football playoff somehow. So, But I, I love Jeff Brom. I think he's the guy to get them going and uh, – I just hope the team stays healthy this year, and I'm just excited Rondell Moore's back because a few uh, weeks ago I didn't think I was going to see him ever play in a Purdue uniform again when he was opting out for the NFL, which I can't blame him at all. So the fact that he opted back in and I get to watch him for eight or nine games, that's uh, pretty exciting to me. So I'm just glad the Big Ten's back, and I'm ready to watch my Boilers uh, take on the Hawkeyes on Saturday. I'll be watching that game and rooting for you guys as well. And, uh, Tanner, as always, you're more than welcome to join me anytime you want, man. Hey, appreciate it, Michael. It's been fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Take, Take care, Tanner. I'll talk to you soon. Yep. Have a good one. You as well. well.